are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Well, this morning we are continuing this series, Should Happens. And before I get into this series, let me just say, any of you who are into college football, if you watch the Ohio State game versus the Michigan State team, what I just want to say is that should not have happened. Can I get an amen? amen. Should not have happened. I, I think that's maybe God's way of getting it back at me for making all of these Ohio State jokes. But anyway, today we're in this series, Should Happens, because we've been talking about the fact that we all have to deal with the shoulds. The shoulds are those little haunting thoughts, those regrets, those, those guilts that sit on our shoulders and remind us of what we're doing wrong. How we're not living up to being the person that we want to be, who we should be. And there's always a thought in the back of our mind that goes like this, I should have done this better. I would imagine that there's some men here in the room in Hastings, there's some men in Delton, Middleville, and you're watching this and you're thinking to yourself, I really should apologize to my wife for last week last month, last year. And I would imagine that there's some ladies who are here and you're thinking to yourself, my husband really should apologize to me <laughs> for last week, last month, last year. Can I get an amen from the ladies up in here? We all have to deal with the shoulds. Here's how we define it last week. It's based on a series that a friend, a pastor friend of mine named Todd Clark, uh, a book he wrote called Should Happens. And here's how we define the shoulds as expectations, that we place on ourselves, on others, and on God. It's these driving expectations that mess with us, that haunt us. It's a little demon that sits on our shoulders and say, you are not good enough because you should be doing more. You should be serving more. Hey, when the pastor was talking about generosity, he was talking about you. You should be doing something that you are not. The shoulds. They, they, they steal our joy. They, they steal our confidence. And they damage our relationship with others. And they even affect our relationship with God. I would imagine that there's some of you who are here right now. And one of the reasons you have a distant and a strained relationship with God is because God did not do something you thought he should have. God should have. He should have helped me in that moment when I was overwhelmed and I prayed and I said, God, I need your help. And he did not show up the way that he should have. Should not let me deal with this thing in my business. He should not let me deal with this situation in my relationship with my kids, with my parents. The shoulds overwhelm us at times. You know, today in Luke chapter 10, we're going to see a rare episode in the life of Jesus. Now, let me tell you why it's a rare episode in the life of Jesus. Most time when we see Jesus throughout the Gospels, he's on an intentional mission. Every time we see him doing a house visit, he's been called there for some professional reason, to heal the sick, to preach a message, to speak hope. But in this occurrence, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is not on business, he's on pleasure. He's been invited by two ladies and their brother to have dinner. So I want you to imagine for a moment if Jesus is coming to your house. See, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to spend some time with somebody that you really looked up to. I had this happen a, a few years ago. I was at um, a Michigan State football game, 
And a friend of mine invited me to kind of be in like the VIP section. And I'm a pastor, and so I don't normally get invited to the VIP section. So I felt kind of good being there. And then across the VIP section walked the best basketball coach that has ever coached in America, Tom Izzo. He's walking right by. And as he's, yeah, we got a couple Izzo fans and a couple haters. God loves you. You should be clapping right now. But anyway, so he walks by. And a friend of mine says, hey, do you want to meet Tom Izzo? And I'm like, like, sure, like, really? What? And so he says, let's go. So I, I'm going over, and all of a sudden, I'm standing there. Here's a picture of me and Tom Izzo. It was awesome. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you, so, so I, I've been at this pastoral stuff for a long time. And so over the years, I've met a lot of people who would be considered Christian celebrities, whatever that means. I'm not really that impressed. But when it's Tom Izzo, I got to tell you, like, I'm slurring my speech. I'm getting nervous. I'm grinning. I'm just in this moment because he's standing right there in front of me. Now, that's how I felt just meeting him. I want you to imagine if Jesus is coming over to your house. I imagine the excitement. I imagine you're posting on Instagram. You're thinking, KFC with JC, this is going to be awesome. You're fired up and excited. And then all of a sudden, the pressure hits. He's coming to my house. So now I've got to get everything cleaned. And so you, you just can imagine all the stuff that you got to do. You know, you got to walk the cat and, and clean the dog. And you got to cook. And you got to, you know, hide all the radar movies because Jesus is coming over. And then got to put out the Bible and make sure you got inspirational quotes by, by Jesus. And then he's also bringing Judas with him. So you got to hide your kids, hide your wife because he might steal something. And so you got all of this stuff going on. And then he shows up. Luke chapter 10 we're going to start in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. As he was on his way, where is he going? Here's an interesting fact about the book of Luke is Luke will devote 35% of his gospel to what theologians call the Luke travel narrative. It's this one last trip for Jesus to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to start off in Galilee. That's where his home base is, in a place in the region of Galilee, in a place called Capernaum. And he's on his way down to Jerusalem for his final moment, where he's going to be crucified. From Luke chapter 9 to Luke chapter 19, he's, he's covering this one journey. And he's about two, uh, about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And he gets invited by a woman named Mary and Martha to her home. Verse 39, it says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. They had to be made. Because Jesus is coming. They had to be made. Somebody's got to cook the food. It ain't going to cook itself. Somebody's got to clean these dishes. Somebody's got to put up. Somebody's got to make this happen. They had to be made. She came to him, talking about Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help. Can you imagine the angst that this woman is dealing with? Jesus is coming over. So i got to impress him. It's got it's to be right. It's got to be straight. And, and, and Mary, you know he's coming over. So do your part. These preparations had to be made. Here's the question. Who said they had to be made? 
Who said it? Here's what they lived under, is they lived with an informal code of hospitality. Now, this is something I can relate to because I grew up down south, and in down south, we have an informal code of hospitality called southern hospitality. If you're coming over to my house in the south, then the house needs to be clean. You also should have some sweet tea, and I'm talking about tea so sweet that you get diabetes just looking at it. That's the kind of tea I'm talking about. So you've got to have everything right, right? you've got to have everything straight, and in their code of conduct, here's what they expected. Number one, you should have a meal. You should have a place to stay for your guests and whoever comes along with them. This is a big party. Jesus has 12 associates. So 13 people, you've got to have a place for them to sleep. You're also supposed to buy oil for their head and somebody to wash their feet. And none of that's ready. And Mary has the gall to just let Jesus in. And then here's what's going to happen next. Verse 41. Jesus is going to respond, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed and indeed only one. Now I want you to see this paradox here. Martha, you're worried about a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's keeping you up and, and, and it's going through your mind and, and you're just worried and worried and worried and worried and worried. You're worried about a lot of stuff, but only a few things are needed. You're worried about a lot, but only few things are needed. And actually, if you, if you actually do some, some deduction, you'll realize there's only one thing that's most important and then he says, as Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, this is a story like no other story. Because Jesus is showing up, and Martha feels the pressure, and this pressure that she felt is the pressure that we would all feel. Jesus is coming to my house, so here's what I got to do. I got to impress him, because he only deserves the best. This is a, a desire of my heart to show him love and honor and respect. But in my desire to show him love, honor, and respect, I begin to feel pressure. You know, as I was writing this message and I was thinking about who was coming to church today, I wonder to myself, why do you come to church? Many people come to church for different reasons. Some people come to church to be inspired. Some people come to church because it's a social, it's a relational thing. Maybe somebody forced you to come to church. Sometimes we come to church to impress Jesus. That's why we're here. We, we want to make sure we got it all together. And so we, we got our, our Bible and we got it open and, and we got the King James because we ain't going to be doing that NIV stuff. You know, we, we got the Bible, the real Bible. And we're there to impress Jesus. But can I tell you something? Jesus is already impressed by you. You, you want to know why Jesus is already impressed by you? Just because he created you. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When, when God finished creating you, he said, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. But how often do so many of us live under guilt? The guilt starts on our shoulders. The should starts on our shoulders before we even walk in the door because we're thinking, I'm not good enough. You know, the church is doing this 90-day Bible reading plan, and I only read three of the five days. I'm not good enough. 
And honestly, right now, I'm trying to worship God, and I'm trying to connect with God, but I'm distracted by everything going on in my life. Some of you are distracted by health concerns. Others of you are distracted by work concerns. Some of you are distracted by your own struggles. And here's what happens so many times, is we have the same paradox that Martha experiences with Jesus. Isaiah had a name for Jesus. He had a prophetic message. Uh, 700 years before Jesus would come, Isaiah would say, He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And does anybody remember that last? He shall be called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace is standing right there, and she is worried and upset about a lot of stuff. She's in the presence of the Prince of Peace, but her worries, her shoulds are stopping her from experiencing the peace because she thinks that she needs to be impressed or impress Jesus instead of being impacted by his presence. Let me tell you something. Church will start to be powerful and helpful to you when you stop feeling like you've got to impress God. When you show up to be impacted by his presence, what will happen is while you're confessing and thinking about your shoulds, you will hear the whisper of God speak to your heart and say, I love you just as you are. But I love you too much to keep you as you are. I'm going to change you. I'm going to bring you into my process. And here's how you change, not by trying really, really, really hard, but by sitting at my feet and learning. That's what we talked about last week in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, and I want to give you a light, and I want to give you rest for your soul. That's what I'm trying to give you, but you won't receive it. Here's what I wonder oftentimes. If the reason we don't have peace is not because Jesus is not offering, but we have a hard time receiving it. He's offering it. And, and so you got this scenario. You got this tension. Martha has a should. And because Mary is not picking it up, she's going to transfer it to Jesus. So Mary's not doing what she should. And so she starts tattling on her sister. And she goes to Jesus. She said, Jesus, tell Mary to get up off of her behind and help me because she knows what needs to be done. And Jesus calls her by name. Is Martha. Martha. Here's why I think Jesus has to call her name twice is because she's in this frenetic, worked up state that he's got to grab her attention. He just says, Martha, come on, come on, come on. Martha! You're worried. You're upset about a lot of stuff that you don't need to be worried about. You're overwhelmed by stuff you don't have to be overwhelmed by. I, I just wonder if Jesus is calling some of your names. He's saying Mike, Jim, Tim, Rachel, Kelly. You're worried. And you're upset about a lot of stuff. But a lot of the stuff you're worried about is not needed. It's not necessary. So if you're in here and you say, okay, Pastor Keith, I really want to be more like Mary, but I actually find myself being more like Martha. How did I end up in this place? Here's what happened. You followed the same process that she did, 
And here's the very first step on the process of getting to a place where we get worked up and worried about a lot of stuff is it starts with unspoken job descriptions. Unspoken job descriptions. Now, here's what I found to be true. I run an organization, and in our organization, across all of our campuses, everybody has a job description. In a organization, in a workplace, a clearly communicated job description is essential. But an unspoken job description in relationships is toxic. But we do this all the time. We have these unspoken job descriptions. This is what I expect of you. The only problem is I didn't communicate it. So here's what I would imagine is that some of you have an unspoken job description that you're giving your kids. And here's the unspoken job description you've given your adult kids is you've thought to yourself, I've lived long enough. I've made a lot of mistakes. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to let me live your life for you. And here's the unspoken job description that many young adults have is I need my space. So there's a reason why I'm not calling you back. There's a reason why I'm trying to express my individuality. It's not because it's anything against you personally. I just need to live my life for myself. Here's another unspoken job description. Some of, you, some of us have this unspoken job description towards the people who are closest to us. Is anytime I call you or text you, you should text me back within 24 seconds. But if you call me, you know, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. I got things happening. So, so you should understand that I'm busy. Let me give you one more. Some of us have this unspoken job description that we give the people closest to us is that when we're stressed out, we expect them to know that they should give us space, but they weren't with us at work, so they didn't know how hard it was. And so when they get into our space and we raise our voice and we go off on them, we expect them to know their job description. This can get difficult. And I know that this is real because I had this happen to me. This was a few years ago. I was at a church on the other side of the state, and our church was in this rapid, fast-growing pace. I remember on Sunday I preached five times. This was Christmas Eve. I preached five times. And then Christmas was on a Wednesday, so on Tuesday we had Christmas Eve services. So I preached six Christmas Eve services. So what me and my wife decided that we were going to do is we're going to drive down to Louisiana. And because we were driving down, you know, I had this thought, well, since we're driving down, I'm just going to not make a big deal about Christmas because we'll celebrate Christmas with the family down there. So we didn't even put up a tree. But what I told my wife is we'd get up the day after Christmas and we'd drive down. So Christmas Day, I'm sitting there, I'm chilling. I, I'm, I took the kids to the movie. I'm just having a great time. Well, it comes the next morning, and I'm just having a blast. I'm resting and recuperating, and I wake up, and my wife is standing at the end of the bed. And she's looking at me with stink eye. Have any of you ever had your wife look at you with stink eye? It was terrifying. It was a little overwhelming. And, and you know, my wife is so beautiful and so kind, and she's right there on the front row, and so give it up for Jen. So she's awesome. But I got to tell you, it was one of those moments where I'm thinking, what are you mad about? And here's why she was mad is because she had stayed up the night before getting all the kids' outfits and everything put together, and then she thought we are going to get up and clean up, and then we are going to be driving. And I thought, hey, we got time. We'll get there when we get there. Que sera, sera. And she's thinking, like, you better get up and get yourself together. And so we had these unspoken job descriptions that we had given each other. And it creates tension. 
And then here's what happens next in the process. Not only do we have unspoken job description, but then we hold others accountable for things we never communicated. We hold people accountable to things that we never communicated to them. And so now there's a tension and there's a a strife that we have because I didn't share with you what, what I thought you should already know. And because I didn't share with you what I thought you should already know, then you should understand why I'm frustrated at you, why I'm holding you accountable. How many times have we done this in our relationships? How many times has this created so many Tensions because we take these shoulds and we just keep transferring it and we keep transferring. And what it doesn't do is it doesn't make the relationship better. It just brings more tension. Here's the final thing that Martha is going to do. So she's going to have an unspoken job description that first she gives to Mary, then she gives to Jesus. And then she tries to hold them accountable. And because they won't receive her job description, here's the last thing that she did that we do is we become angry and resentful. If you have resentment in your life right now, there could be a lot of reasons. People hurt us. And many times people do it intentionally, but sometimes they don't do it intentionally. And what happens is we're holding them accountable and we're, and we're seething with this anger and this resentment. And here's the truth. Anger and resentment never made a relationship better. Never. Any of you who are dating... Anger and resentment never made the person want to change more. What it did was it just created more drama. So if you're on that journey and, and you're, you're burning up with anger and rage and frustration, you can't fix this, here's the process that you got to follow. Now, I want you to take you back to elementary school. When you were in elementary school, when you had a fire instructor who came to your school and they said, if you ever find yourself on fire, here's what you need to do. You need to... Okay, some of you didn't say it, and it's making me concerned about the educational system here in Barry County. Let's say that one more time. So you need to... Here's the first thing Jesus is going to say to Mary. In effect is, stop. Stop. Or Martha. You're worried. You're upset about a lot of different stuff. So I need to just grab your attention. I just need to say, say, Martha, I need you to stop. Stop. And if you stop long enough to consider what you're doing, why you're doing it, you might realize that Mary's not against you. She's got a different point of view. And actually, you might stop to actually realize that you're in the wrong and you're not right. Stop. Here's what's happened for most of us over the last couple years is we've been forced to stop. And reflect about our life, our trajectory, where we're going, our relationships. And here's what most of us hate to do is to stop. And and we hate to stop in the middle of conflict. We just want to keep getting our point across. We want to keep making our point instead of stopping and getting to the point where we really understand the other person's point of view. Because here's the second thing that Jesus is going to say in effect is, listen. Listen. Here's what listening is not. Listening is not waiting to speak. It's stopping long enough to hear another person and to actually understand what they're trying to communicate. 
And honestly, when I start to understand where another person is coming from, I don't have to actually agree with them, but now I can make a connection. I can build a bridge. And once we have a bridge, we can communicate. And here's what might have happened between Mary and Martha. If Martha would have stopped long enough to listen, she might have realized, Jesus, there's something significant about the reason that he's stopping by our house. We don't know how long we're going to have with him, but the very fact that he's going to sit here and he's going to share some wisdom, people would love to just spend a few minutes with him. He's got thousands of people, and he stopped at our house, and instead of trying to impress him, if we would just listen, we could learn something powerful that he wants to say. Listen. Stop. Listen. You know, I think most of us, want to be good listeners. We want to have good relationships, but we've not learned how to listen. Let me talk to every parent of teenagers in the room. What your teenager wants from you is you to listen. You to listen to them. Everything that they say might not make sense. Everything that they say might not be right, but they're wanting you to listen, and they want to be heard. Because here's the last thing that Jesus is going to say, in effect to Martha, is give up control. Give up control. Stop, listen, and give up control. Now, Martha is a fascinating character. And even though I would love to be more like Mary, if I'm being honest, I'm more like Martha. I love to get stuff done. I I love to have a to-do list. Now, for those of you who are OCD, kind of like me, if you're not OCD, this won't even make any sense to you. But if you are, this will make perfect sense. There's times where I love to be productive that I will write something down just so I can check it off my list. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here or is this just me? Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. Here's why I make to-do lists is because it makes me feel in control. But have you ever realized that sometimes that your to-do list is actually controlling you? That's what's going on with Martha. She's got all this stuff, and, and she's so organized, and she's got the plan, and people aren't working the plan, and so she's getting so frustrated to the point where she's like, this is supposed to happen this way, and it makes her feel in control, but she's actually being controlled by what she thinks makes her feel powerful. If we live long enough, at some point we will realize that we're not just in control. Last service, I'm preaching. I'm preaching my heart out. The glory of God was in this place. I mean, people were motivated. People were in tears. Well, that wouldn't really happen. That's what was going on in my mind. But things were going really good. And then all of a sudden, the lights go off. And as the lights start going off, I thought, I was thinking, man, is Jesus calling me home? It's getting dim. I'm like, Jesus, go to see you. I don't know what's happening at this moment. But then all of a sudden, I, I recognize it's okay. It's all right. It's all right if everything doesn't go according to plan because sometimes God's plan is bigger than my plan. Let me help you in your relationship. So if you were to say, Keith, theologically, what is this series about? It's about grace. The first week was about God's grace in your life, how God's grace in your life is how God changes you from the inside and not from the outside in. It's not by doing the right stuff. It's about receiving God on the inside and letting him change you from the inside out. What this message is about is how do you have change in your relationships? 
You can pressure people to change. You can guilt people to change. And that's kind of temporary. It's almost like a rubber band. They'll change for a little bit, but then they pop back because guilt never changed anybody. Here's how you really help people change is you give them grace. You give them space. You tell them the truth, and then you let God work. You give up control. And here's what will actually happen is you'll start having peace. Because you'll pray more and you'll demand less. You'll trust God and then you'll celebrate the change instead of always nagging about what they're not doing. You'll celebrate what they are doing because that's what grace is about. Grace is not a license for people to keep doing what's broken, and and it's not empowering people to be unhealthy. It's just understanding, I can't control you, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just do my best to give you truth, but then I'm going to give up control and let God work. If you're in here and you would say, man, Pastor, it kind of feels like you're talking to me. I'm more controlling than I thought I was, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. What I realize is I need to give up control. Here's what Jesus did, is he came to earth, he lived a sinful, or a sinless life, and then he went to the cross for sinful people like you and I. And on the cross, see that's the journey that he's on to the cross, he took our sin so that we could have hope, so that we wouldn't have to be in control, but we could allow God to guide and direct our lives. So if you're in here and you say, you know, Pastor, I need a relationship with God. You know, people talk about salvation, and that's a big word. I don't even know what that means. But what I know is I feel like I'm sinking under the weight of my guilt and my shame. I need a relationship with God. Here's what I'm going to do in a moment. I want to pray with you. And there's nothing magical about the words that I'm going to say, but if you pray this with me and if you mean it, what you're going to do is you're going to make an exchange with God. And basically, it's a declaration, God, I'm giving up control. And I'm going to trust you with my life. And I'm going to stop trying to impress you. And I'm going to start allowing your presence to impact my life in a powerful and a transformative way. So I want to invite you to pray with me. If you're in here and this is the prayer that you need to pray, just quietly in your heart, just say these words after me. Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. And I receive you as my Savior. I need your Holy Spirit to guide my life, so help me. God, I give up control. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you through your power and through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's, uh, let's uh, celebrate the people who made the decision to follow Jesus. listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tbcweb.com.